You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I am Mustafa Santiago Ali, Senior Vice President of the Hip Hop Caucus. Welcome to our radio show and podcast that delivers real talk on climate change and environmental justice. No sides, just the facts and stronger communities. Hey, and I am Antonique Smith, Grammy-nominated singer, actress, and activist, a.k.a. your favorite artist. <laughs> All right. And I am Terrence T.C. Muhammad, the community outreach manager for the Hip Hop Caucus, representing North Carolina Agricultural All and right. Technical State University, Aggie <laughs> Pride. And that's just a shout out to our CEO and president, who's a bison, Reverend Yearwood. <laughs> and thank you to WPFW for hosting us here in the studios. And a big thank you for all of our listeners who tune in each week, and we love all of our supporters so much. And definitely check us out, the show's blog on think100.info, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at think100show. Yeah, that, that's T.C. Muhammad, y'all, being real smooth and real cool. And we have hey, an hey. incredible <laughs> show, don't we, Antonique? Uh-huh. We have three incredible champions for the environment and climate on the show today. They are going to share some critical information on upcoming actions to protect our children and our communities from the impacts of climate change and how we can win together. But before we dive into our first segment, let's get started with our co-host, Antonique Smith, who is going to share some of the things that are happening in the movement. Antonique, where are you, sister, in the world and what do you have for us? Well, I am in Los Angeles. Um, it is a little colder than I'd like it out here, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, how y'all doing? Blessed. And uh, Mustafa and TC, you know, we, we have to start off with talking about COP24 and the United Nations 24th Conference of the Parties, a.k.a. COP24, is happening right now with world leaders from across the globe gathered in Poland. Over the next two weeks, these leaders will finalize the rules on how to implement the goals established in the Paris Agreement. I was there for that. I was at COP21 in Paris. To keep global warming to less than 2 degrees Celsius or 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit. And these might not be the most exciting negotiations, but the rules that they come up with are going to be incredibly important if we are going to solve the climate crisis and we have to solve the climate crisis. So as always, negotiations with almost 200 countries (laughs) Mm. is extremely complicated. However, we should be paying attention to what's happening because these rules established over the next few weeks are going to determine how countries are going to meet their commitments. With the recent United Nations climate report saying that we only have a very short 12 years to act, time is of the essence. And we can't have any shenanigans, no shenanigans, y'all. Mm-hmm. World leaders, y- y'all have to know what's at stake. And we need you need to take the necessary action right now. And even though we have shenanigans with the Trump administration and they're not doing their part, and the majority of Americans, though, want climate action because they know what's up and state and local leaders are stepping up to show that we are still in the paris agreement so y'all to find out more i need y'all to go to we are still in dot org like you say mustafa if you know better do better and this is about protecting lives right now and the planet for future generations so cop 24 is happening right now in poland you know, it's popping. So uh, what else y'all got? What's going on? TC, why don't you share with us what else is happening out there? Thanks for that, Antonique. And yes, you were mm-hmm. in Paris, COP21, <laughs> doing your master's class. Which, uh, yeah, y'all. But guess incredible. what? A couple, it was. It was incredible. Well, a couple of weeks ago, the international movement called the Extinction Rebellion. 
um, just shut down the city of London over the UK's government criminal inaction on mass species extinction and climate breakdown, y'all. One of their demands was that the government act legally binding policy measures in order to reduce carbon emissions to net zero by 2025 and to reduce the consumption levels. Now, they are in the streets. I love this. They're in the streets applying pressure to the U.K. government to reform its environmental policy to prevent the U.K. from facing starvation, y'all, to current and future climate impacts. This is important because it shows the power of the people, and I love the people, how ordinary citizens are stepping up because of necessity. I mean, not just this is so serious. It's all about fighting for existence. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that is some serious stuff. We are indeed mm-hmm. in a fight for our existence. So let me get into a few of the other things that have been happening today. Climate Reality led our friend and former Vice President Al Gore is hosting a global broadcast called 24 Hours of Reality. And they're kicking some serious reality on folks. As world leaders gather in Poland for COP24, Climate Reality is shining a spotlight on the climate crisis and its impacts on the health of millions. We actually should say billions around the world through this live broadcast featuring artists, activists, athletes and businesses and government leaders from across the globe. You can stream it live online at 24hoursofreality.org. Let me say that again, 24hoursofreality.org. Or you can find out more on social media at hashtag 24 hours of reality. But that's not all. Also, this was a huge, huge event that happened last night. Senator Bernie Sanders did his thing. He held down a national town hall about the climate and the global threat that's going on around climate change and the solutions that can protect our planet from devastation and create tens of millions of good paying jobs. Now, Senator Sanders was joined by a number of friends of Think 100 percent, including 350.org's Bill McKibben, the founder and incredible author, also actress, activist uh, and our revolution board member, Shailene Woodley, CNN host and Arthur Van Jones. Everybody knows Van and Earth Guardians youth director Shushat Martinez and Congresswoman-elect Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Union of Concerned Scientists Director of Climate Science, Dr. Brenda Equazel, uh, and more. So you got to see this. You got to check it out. Go to YouTube. Uh, just go over to their Twitter page uh, on our Twitter page at Think 100 Show and you'll find all the information that will link you there. But with that being said, TC and Antonique, um, I want to appreciate all that was a lot of important information. And of course, Mm -hmm. Bernie's town hall was just lit. um, And we just want to thank them for for all they're doing. But let me share this with you. There was an organization that everybody kept saying all night. So some of y'all, maybe one or two of y'all, TC, Antonique, there might be one or two people in the country right now. Who don't know who the Sunrise Movement is? Really, Mustafa? They swear, really don't know. I, that's oh, what I'm saying. Something, something I, I wrong don't know with how them. they don't something know wrong. TC, but they better they better get it together and wake up real quick because you know the Sunrise Movement is doing their thing. Um, and you, the best thing is that we actually have them in the show on the show right here today in the building. That's what we have. Yes, we do. So let's bring these three amazing young leaders into our conversation. They are making some major waves across the country fighting for solutions to address climate change and inequality i have next to me diana j i have dwight uh, wilson and i have marcella mulholland everyone welcome them to think 100 percent the coolest show on climate change how y'all doing good thanks so much good, for having good. Us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, all right so we're about to jump right in it um yes. so diana we're gonna start with you all right Diana, can you share with folks what is the Sunrise Movement and why was it started? Yeah, of course. So Sunrise is building an army of young people to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. And I appreciate Antonique starting us off back at COP24 and that's happening right now because that's Mm. a lot for me where my story with Sunrise began. I led Mm. a U.S. youth delegation to COP21 and uh, spent so much energy leading up to that that summit into creating the Paris Climate Agreement. And when that gavel fell, the young people who were over there felt this sense of, oof, like we're so far Mm -hmm. away from meeting those goals. And for me, that was a moment of committing at the end of 2015 to building a movement here in the United States who could carry that fight forward. 
So that is what we set out to do. I, I found a bunch of teammates. Teammates found me. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we needed a plan and a community that could mm-hmm. carry this fight forward that both had a strategy to build political power that would fight for us. Putting people into office like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who would champion the bold ideas that we need, and we need to build the people power that is going to actually change this country. That's what it looked like when we took Congress a, a few weeks ago and sat in Pelosi's office was that showing of people power. So we, uh, Sunrise is setting out to do that. And we launched in 2017 and gave ourselves the name Sunrise because that actually felt like a really dark moment mm. in America, right? It was mm. a really confusing and hard time reckoning of the new the direction that our country was going. And so we said, we're, we're building the Sunrise movement. Uh, we can change this country and this world sure as the sun rises each morning. Antonique. Well, we've had a number of incredible youth organizations making real change happen. Like Zero Hour, Defend Our Future, and you guys, the Sunrise Movement. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredibly inspiring. So, from your perspective, why are young people stepping up right now? Why is this movement, ha- why is that the young people movement happening? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the conversation, I think, around climate and environmental movement for so long, it felt, is this conversation about future generations, right? And I think young people have woken up and said, hey, we are those future generations and climate change is here right now and it's getting worse Mm -hmm. every single day. And we look around us and we see right now the American West is choking in smoke and wildfires have literally burnt down entire towns. And I I come from a coastal community, coastal Virginia. All across coastal communities, people live in fear of the next storm. And we, we see climate change here here right now and it's it's not about something very far away and i think that's why young people are waking up and getting in the streets and building building a movement because we know that we don't have a moment to waste we also see that we do have the solutions to stop climate change it's really a, a political problem that's standing in our way uh, mm-hmm. of politicians who are taking money from fossil fuel executives, from groups and lobbyists. And uh, our generation is now the largest voting bloc, right? That's mm-hmm. exciting. And so we actually hold the power in our hands to change the direction of this country. And we're ready to step to that challenge. Well, you are listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. And we want to make sure that you are have the opportunity to engage with these incredible leaders who are doing some incredible work. Call in 202 588 Well, let me just say one thing before I I ask this question, because I just want to let everybody know, young people not just now stepping up, they've always been stepping up and they've always been on the front line. They've Mm -hmm. been there in the civil rights movement. They've been in South Africa. So it's always been about the young movement. So I'm from a HBCU and I'm from North Carolina A&T, as I said, where A&T4 (laughs) did the sit-in movement um, for freshmen. And I bring that up is because, you know, I love it when we go shut it down and and take over and have sit-in movement. So I, I think... You know, y'all been in the news a lot lately, and um, I think y'all was going to Nancy Pelosi's uh, with Alexandra Ortiz. Cortez. Uh, but how important um, to have the millennial uh, Alexandria there? Um, what were exactly were y'all demands when y'all was in the office? I mean, how can people get involved in that movement? Because y'all did a major thing. It was all in the news. But tell us about that process. Yeah, what did that feel like, brother, when you was, you know, walking into the belly of the beast? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, it, it felt it felt terrifying. Honestly, it felt inspiring, and I felt definitely I felt carried by you know the accompaniment of young people that were there with me, who backed me and who who uh, who sang songs with me and you know who locked arms with me and uh, cared about climate change as much as I did and and, felt, and are really fighting for the things that they wish to see in the world change. Some of the demands we made were demanding Nancy Pelosi to back Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's select committee resolution um, and to have leaders sign on to our No Fossil Fuel Money Pledge. So being there with those young people in the moment was just, it was really surreal and uh, it was really um, heart-wrenching because um, there were very a lot of mixed emotions about you know what we were going to do. A lot of people didn't do it before. It was, that, it was my first sit-in, so it was really like it was heart pumping and it was exhilarating, uh, and my adrenaline was just flowing out. I was jittery as I am now because it's my first radio interview. So it's, <laughs> another you're killing, first, you're killing it. <laughs> All right, um, 
But yeah, it was it was it was really joyful because I knew that I was doing it for a, a, a extremely righteous cause, which is defending our planet and, and fighting this this crisis that is at hand. Tell folks where you're from, brother, and, and you know the community you grew up in and how you came to this work. Oh, my apologies. My name is Dwight Wilson for everybody who ever or who who who, who just like maybe tuning in or something. <laughs> but I'm, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I was born and raised there. I'm 24 years old, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, that's it, where I call home. I went to Germantown High School in the northwest section mm. of the city, which is unfortunately to say it's closed now due to uh, a lot of different things in, in the education sector. But I graduated there in 2012, and shortly thereafter, I, I attended and started my political science degree at Chain University, mm. um, nation's first historically black college university. <laughs> I knew you were um, going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's where I kind of got my backing and um, my, my foreground uh, uh, education Um on issues like these yeah 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 yeah. i know a little bit about philly westminster and philly yeah, that's where yeah. i used to be so you know yeah, you know they go marcella why don't you just share a little bit about who you are i know you rep in florida and Come on. you know there's all kinds of crazy things happen in relationship to climate change there what brought you to this work uh so my name is marcella i'm 21 years old and i'm part of sunrise movement florida and I grew up in a town called Fort Lauderdale, and it's on the east coast of Florida. And I dealt with natural disasters and hurricanes my whole life. And when I was in high school, my family moved right next to the coast. We actually mm-hmm. lived just one block away from the beach, which was really nice. <laughs> but then I started noticing that the street across from my apartment would flood with water when we had small storms. And even when it wasn't raining outside, there would be mm. flooding outside. And um, the local businesses would have to put up sandbags to stop the water from coming inside the stores. And my parents would have to move the car to higher ground. Mm. And at the time, I didn't know that this was part of climate change or Mm. sea level rise. It it was just a part Mm. of life for my family. Mm. And then I went to college, University of Florida, go Gators, yes. Um, (laughs) And um, started learning about climate change and these broader environmental issues. And I saw my personal life experiences in the context context of climate change and it was really infuriating at first because Florida is on the front lines of this crisis in so many ways. Most of our big cities rank in the top 10 cities most at risk for sea level rise in the United States and our politics does not reflect that at all. For the past several years we've been led by politicians who are puppets for fossil fuel executives basically and they have repeatedly shown that they put fossil fuel billionaires over the well-being of my people and my home. And that is really what called me to get involved in the climate movement and um, why I'm involved with Sunrise. And I spent the past few months in Orlando, Florida, working on the midterm elections Mm -hmm. in Florida. All right. Well, you listen to Think 100 percent, the coolest show on climate change. Call in 202-588-0893. You don't want to miss the opportunity to engage with these incredible leaders that we have Uh, in the room today. So what we want to do now is because we know last night there was literally probably millions of folks who were actually watching the town hall last night. And the hot issue was the Green New Deal. Everybody (laughs) is talking about that. So, Diane, I'm going to come to you. You guys feel free to chime in also. But we want to actually just break it down for our listeners. You know, what are the main elements of the Green New Deal? Um, Let's do it so Mrs. Ramirez and Mr. Johnson can understand why we are all so, you know, incredibly excited about the possibilities of making sure that this is a reality. So, Diana, we want to start with you. Sure. Yeah, I'll break it down for, for Mr. Johnson. <laughs> Let it be, bro. Uh, what is a Green New Deal? We're seeing this question a lot, and we've been very successful at throwing this demand onto the national radar, onto the radar of members of Congress in the last few weeks, a short span. And a Green New Deal is based off of the values that everyone has a right to good jobs, to safe communities, to clean air and clean drinking water, in a livable planet for, for now and for future generations. And what it would do is it is a massive transition plan that would ensure a just transition to 100% renewable energy mm-hmm. that includes programs to retain workers and offer good-paying jobs and living wages to protect workers in that transition. 
So it is the plan that measures up to what science is so alarmingly yeah. telling us we need to do to address climate change, and it measures measures up to uh, to measures of justice and equity as well. Saying we have to protect the communities who are yeah. most hit by this crisis as well. So let's slow that down for folks. And make sure yeah. that everybody who's driving and listening. Let's let's go back to a just transition. <laughs> Talk to folks again about what is a just transition? What does that look like? Why is that important? How is that different uh, than some of the other things that have been in the past? Yeah, of course. So just transition is central to a Green New Deal. And and that to me really means two main things. One is that uh, the people who work in the current energy economy should be given the support to transition into renewable energy jobs. And that uh, and good paying union jobs. And so actually the provision of the Green New Deal that I'm the most excited about is what we're calling the Federal Jobs Guarantee, which would actually guarantee a job to every American who wants one. There is so much good work Mm -hmm. that needs to be done right now to address the urgent threat of climate change. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for anybody to be out of a job. And so we Mm. want to see a Federal Jobs Guarantee that puts America back to work to stop climate change. The other part of a just transition is reckoning with the reality that climate change does not hit everyone equally. And there are communities because of pollution, because of sea level rise, that are feeling the burden much harder. And that those communities should have strong weight and influence in the kind of plan that is put forward to transition our economy and our society and be very included in that process. Would that be communities with environmental injustices or those communities that we often label as environmental justice communities? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Mm -hmm. definitely. And what are some of those other additional elements of the Green New Deal? I know there's some uh, work also around infrastructure because, you know, everybody wants to talk about infrastructure now. And in many instances, they're talking about roads and bridges. I'm mm-hmm. sure the Green New Deal wants to take a, a slightly different, uh, you know, sort of direction in, in bringing that into the process. Yeah, infrastructure is a, is a big topic now in many different directions. And there is much that needs to be built in the new energy economy. And we know right now that the fastest growing industries are in wind and solar. And there is that is just the start of it, that there is so much new infrastructure to be built that actually brings us to 100% renewable energy. That is, you know, we say this a lot, 100% renewable energy. Y'all say this all the time. It's yeah. the name of your show. That's huge. That is a huge <laughs> scale of action. We're talking about powering an entire country and world with a, a different form of, of energy than when we've relied, relied on. So the Green New Deal is really measuring up to the scale that that is actually going to be. And, and including that in, in the infrastructure packages that we're seeing uh, in, in Congress that are priority, that that means no new fossil fuel infrastructure as well, mm-hmm. and putting an immediate halt to transition to that to good renewable energy. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to, because, you know, for me, um, protecting lives is, is paramount. Um, but in many instances, what gets people's attention sometimes is the economics, is the opportunity to create the jobs. Uh, Dwight, you come from Philly. How important yes, is, you know, in you know, making sure that there are some jobs for folks who've been struggling and looking for an opportunity? I think it's crucially important. I think that's one of the main focuses that a lot of people in rural, I'm not rural, I'm sorry, but urban areas will uh, definitely resonate with is having the opportunity to be, to be guaranteed direct employment by the federal government to help in this transition that is absolutely critical for, you know, continued human longevity. I think that people in the city, could definitely be enthused and and very definitely used and come along and and be a part of this transition from uh, a destructive energy uh, economy to a very renewable and 100% 100 sustainable one. Definitely, definitely. Make sure y'all call in 202-588-0893. TC. No, no, I just wanted to go back because one of the things um, that was just mentioned that is so basic, and like you said, one Miss Johnson and just your neighbor can understand, the fact that we're saying that we want to fight this Green Deal, Green New Deal is fighting for everybody to have clean water and clean air. That implies that everybody doesn't have clean air and clean water. Um, that's the saying. That's basic. That's fundamental. That's human rights. Um, mm-hmm. So it just seem that as we're an uh, organization that's non uh, nonpartisan, that that's across the board. That's a, just a human right for everybody to have decent and clean air and clean water. And that's a global issue. So I just think I, I love sunrise because I want to see the sunrise around the world for us to have that 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 reality made um, made real. Yeah. And, and again, call in 202-588-0893 uh, to engage in this conversation about 
right now, but also about the future. The actions that we're doing today are definitely going to determine what everything is going to look like. Antonique, uh, before we go to the phones, I know that you have been on a number of the tours that the caucus has done over the years, and you've seen uh, some of these impacts inside of communities. You want to share just a little bit about some of the things you've seen? Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, just people are dying. Like right here in L.A., there's people who live 200 feet away from oil drilling sites. Now, just imagine you're a teenager looking outside your window and there's men working in hazmat suits right outside your window, but you don't have a hazmat suit on. Like, that's unbelievable. And and they're not even paying these people's doctor bills. Like, people are getting sick from the toxins that are coming right outside their window, and they're not even getting help. In Chicago, we we saw a a Koch Brothers plant, and people live right across the street from it. And I met a young man who had leukemia. Um, And there's a park that people are playing in right outside the Koch Brothers plant where there's some kind of mist I'm trying to think this. I mean, honestly, I have so many examples in in Chicago. There's this apartment building that's it's been built on top of a landfill, an old landfill. And there's toxins that are going from um, the underground into the to whole community. And there's a wall. And I thought the wall with all these names written was, you know, what, what we hear about Chicago was gun violence. And it's right. So I'm thinking that these are all names, thousands of names of people who died from gun violence. It was people from this one community who died from the pollution that they were breathing mm-hmm. from from the toxins that were coming mm-hmm. up under from the ground and 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 the, the communities in a food desert they have to go miles to get fresh fresh food so honestly it's a lot going on i personally grew up in a, a town that's only 10 miles away about 10 miles away from a, a, a power plant and I went to Flint. I, I tested water in Flint, part of Mark Ruffalo's water defense, and we tested water in Flint. You know, it's so much going on all over all over the world, honestly. But those are some of the things I've seen. Yeah, and actually, Hazel Johnson, the mother of the environmental justice movement, someone who I was blessed to mentored me, is actually there in that toxic donut in Alt Gelt Gardens. Mm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, and luckily, you know, Sunrise Movement, so many of the other young, incredible organizations that are out there, they get that the impacts that have been happening inside of vulnerable communities is the location where many of our fossil fuel facilities have been and continue to be, um, and folks who have been dealing with those impacts, and now those emissions are warming up our planet and our oceans. So I know you guys mm-hmm. get the connection that exists between environmental justice and climate change, and that's really how we have climate justice issues. Um, mm-hmm. And I appreciate that the Green New Deal helps to mitigate some of these impacts that have been happening inside of communities. But I believe we have a caller that's on the line. Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, please, go ahead and ask your question, and thanks for calling. Thank 100%. Yeah, so I hear about this uh, Green New Deal and this pretty auspicious plan. Um, I was just wondering, when you, when you start to talk about phasing out some of the older technologies, where do you see the hydrocarbon technology and the, and the research and development? Where does that fit in? Because from what I understand, you're still coming out of college with a pretty secure future, um, going into that part of engineering, just the idea of the, the chemistry that goes into the hydrocarbon industry. I'll take my uh, take it off, take the answer off here. Thank you. All right, thank you for the call. Sure. Yeah, that that was a very specific question with the hydrocarbons. <laughs> I, I will do my best. I mean, honestly, I'll. I think what I want to say is that this, what we're fighting for right now, is to say that we actually. We, we need a Green New Deal, and we need to figure this out. So what we're specifically fighting for is the creation of the Green New Deal, because that just the idea that we should do this is what is the question that's at stake right now, mm-hmm. what is being asked. So everyone's calling in. What we're fighting for is for everyone to actually participate in a national plan to meet these broad goals of transitioning uh, our energy industry and answering those very specific questions that we know are going to need a lot of experts, scientific experts, community experts to participate in that process. And so the timeline we're looking at is actually to create that plan starting in January when the next session of Congress begins and our newly elected members take office, that from January through actually the beginning of 2020, we're going to spend that year talking to communities across the country led by our elected leaders and engaging experts of all these sectors, the manufacturing sector, agricultural sector, and grassroots community leaders as well, saying, what does this need to look like? How is this going to protect us and protect the things that we love and that are at stake in this process? And so 
that's that's a that's a little bit of a workaround to a very specific question, saying that that is part of the process, and we want to do that together as a country and as a community to, to answer those questions. Yeah, and Diana, I think also, you know, as someone who worked on Capitol Hill before, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes just like many other, you know, sort of. Um, sets of actions that are happening folks are working in silos Mm -hmm. so uh, you know what i appreciate about the select subcommittee is that it has the opportunity then to pull together a whole bunch of different folks. So for those who, yeah, you know, for folks who are listening up on Capitol Hill, you know, you have various committees that are handling all the different types of issues that, you know, impact us. And, you know, there's technology uh, committees that focus on technology. Mm -hmm. So the select subcommittee could help to bring all these various folks together to make sure that we are actually creating a holistic way of moving forward. I know that's something that you guys talk about. Totally. And it's kind of a fun I'm learning a lot right now about committees in Congress, which in my effort to build uh, a big youth climate movement, didn't know I'd end up studying the nitty gritties of congressional committees. But we've we've got to now. And it's been a process of I find it kind of comical. Most most of those committees are all saying, hey, this steps on my toes a little. And I think it's for us, it's evident that this problem is so big that it actually involves every single part of the government that's set up. And, and that's why we're pushing so hard to say, hey, we need to create this committee to create a Green New Deal because this is is the largest challenge that we're really up against right now. No doubt. No doubt. Do we have another caller? All right. Caller. Hi there. How are yes. you? Yes. I'm good. Um, first of all, thank you all for what you're doing. Well, um, thank you. I was, I was wondering about the uh, livestock industry. I know that livestock is a great contributor to greenhouse gases. And I was wondering if the Green New Deal had anything to combat that. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually encourage everyone listening to read the resolution. It is awesome. I'm, and I usually don't say that for the wonky policy things. <laughs> usually I don't tell people to go read them, but it's very short, actually. And you can find it at Ocasio2018.com backslash GND. And it outlines all of the goals that we are fighting for now and the process that we think we need to get there. And one of those things that is specifically outlined, just specifically to your question, is to transform the agricultural industry away from fossil fuels. And, and that is a core component. And we think it's crucial. Yeah, that's that is super important. I'm, I'm going to turn it over to Antonique now, because I think Antonique had another question she wanted to pose to you guys. Go ahead. I do. I have a question. How is the Green New Deal similar or different from what the climate movement or politicians have called for in the past? How is it different or similar? So one of the main challenges that the climate movement has faced in the past is this frame of jobs versus environment, or we either get to save the planet or we get to have a thriving economy. And politicians Mm -hmm. for so long have presented voters as those two are the only options. But my generation is really calling BS on that because it's a false choice. Um, As Mm -hmm. Diana said earlier, the renewable energy sector is the fastest growing part of our economy. And we don't have to choose between a livable planet or good jobs. And that's what this Green New Deal is advocating for. And that's why I'm so stoked about it. And I think this is a unique moment in the climate movement because we're really able to build a coalition of working people who are affected by economic inequality and low wage jobs. And the unions have been on the downfall. And like there's we live in a moment of intersecting crises and the Green New Deal offers us the opportunity to address economic inequality and address climate change at the same time you know one of the things i i wanted to i wanted to talk about because we know we we always talk about in in the hip-hop caucus um you know we're based in dc and la but one of the good things about the hip-hop caucus we're in multiple cities uh we have leadership committees in different cities so we always get a chance to hear from the people hear from the community so i guess you know for us we're always trying to uh protect our vulnerable communities so i'm I'm wondering for those that are may not you know there's some real scientific questions that are coming in you know people are calling but for those vulnerable communities that may not be into this movement or aware how can this green deal help them how can it help these vulnerable communities you know how how would it help them those folks that are just living day-to-day uh living their day-to-day lives in these vulnerable communities 
So as someone who comes from a town that is super vulnerable to climate change, I know that there's this feeling of hopelessness because especially in Florida, our politics, our politicians have really ignored this issue. And like I said earlier, just consistently not cared about the well-being of my community. So having a Green New Deal, for one, would offer people on the front lines of the climate crisis the ability to hope for the first time, to feel like... Like we have a politics that actually puts the well-being of people over fossil fuel billionaires who control so many of our politicians right now. And hope is really important because it liberates communities to imagine different futures for themselves and for their children. And also the Green New Deal offers vulnerable communities the opportunity to improve their material well-beings. There's so many businesses and restaurants and stores like where I live in Fort Lauderdale that are impacted by this issue who, if we have a Green New Deal that does focus on a just transition and has equity at the heart, those businesses and those people would benefit the most from legislation like this. And I'm fighting for my people to be able to hope and to make a living wage and to to have a good life for their family. Mm. I mean, that's so powerful, so important. Reverend Yearwood and I often talk about, you know, uh, how do we help to make sure as we're moving forward into this new green, clean climate space that, uh, you know, let's just call it out what it is and make sure that African-Americans and Latinos, Asian-Americans, Pacific Islanders and indigenous brothers and sisters and low-income white brothers and sisters have an opportunity to create their own businesses in this space. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's so good to hear that you guys uh, and, you know, the Congresswoman and others are thinking critically now because lots of times, you know, it's an add-on afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mm-hmm. folks will be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, a small percentage over here, that type of thing, mm-hmm. instead of saying, let's create a new paradigm. So to hear that the Green New Deal is focused on that new paradigm that's so necessary for the 21st century, I mean, that's a blessing in itself. And I understand where, what you're talking about when you say bringing hope back to communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you guys, uh, I have a kind of a two-part question here. I know you all were instrumental in getting many politicians to take the no fossil fuel money pledge. <laughs> how did that go? That's one part. So how did that go? And then the second part of my question is, what is next for the Sunrise Movement? Yeah, sure. That, it went well. We moved... <laughs> Uh, over 1,300 candidates to take the No Fossil Fuel Money Pledge, which means that they have pledged to reject money from fossil fuel CEOs, front groups, and an industry, and they have committed to actually stand up for our home, our health, and our future. And for me, that's a, such an important piece to understanding where this Green New Deal came from and why we have this big new momentum is because all throughout this year, we have been fighting to push candidates from the beginning of the year in the primary elections to put in, put in office people who actually will fight for us. And, mm. and Marcella and Dwight uh, and myself and a lot of the work of Sunrise this whole year was just doing that really hard work of knocking on doors and showing up at people's offices and pushing them to, to, to champion and be the champions that we needed. And so a lot of people found out about us when we took Nancy Pelosi's office by storm. And we want folks to see that back work, that, that hard work that's been happening all year that led up to that. Yeah, maybe pass it over to Dwight. I'll talk a little bit with, there's a lot to the answer of where we're going next. And I want to tell people about uh, our next big wave of action, but I also want to have you share a little bit about Sunrise Hubs and what that means to get involved locally. Yeah, definitely. Um, so <laughs> it's it's been a whirlwind of, of different activities and events and and canvassing and door knocking and mm. and and questioning people about their political beliefs and and who they support and why and joining the Sunrise Movement and being a fellow and activist and organizer with the Sunrise Movement. I got my fir- uh, first hand experience and and actually talking to people and going out into communities, especially uh, communities in South Philly who are affected by, you know, large uh, gas and oil industries and corporations like PES, who are uh, some of the most biggest and polluters uh, on the East Coast. That was really a different perspective for me to focus on the people who are directly affected by these issues and what they want to see going forward into their lives and in their businesses and in in their homes and communities. It was really uh, an enlightening experience and really an educational experience to be able to talk to people who I normally wouldn't because uh, we may be at a political view uh, uh, and odds. And that was really, uh, how should I say, 
a, cher a cherishing moment to be able to be a part of the American politics like that. I went out and we did campaign work for different ca can candidates who we, we like to call uh, climate champions that have taken the no fossil fuel money pledge, like Diana explained earlier. And we went around and we told the, na the neighborhoods and various communities that we did canvassing in and we told them about that. And a lot of people were like, yeah, I want, I, I want you know, politicians who, who have a backbone and, and, and reject and decline, you know, to be in the pockets of, you know, these, these, these mega corporations and these billionaires because it is directly affecting them and their livelihood. Mm -hmm. So that was very, that was a very, very uh, different experience. Yeah. Really? You know, I, I just got to jump in right quick is I, I love y'all's story because the Hip Hop Caucus, we from the streets to the suites. Uh, so so it's, always, it's always good to know that y'all can go to the halls of Congress and go to the Capitol and shut it down and have those real conversations and make sure we push up on the politicians. But it's also wonderful to know that you're not just on the Hill uh, um, lobbying and talking, but you're actually in the communities talking to the people. So when you go to the congressional um, houses and you go to the politician, you're really truly speaking for the people because you're having real conversations with real live people about this concern so I, I appreciate that yeah thank you and thank and you. we call those sunrise hubs so what Dwight is talking about and the hard work of talking to people taking it to community that is the backbone of our movement and we need to continue to grow that out and so we have a community a network of of hubs where we support each other to build out that movement in our homes and each place that looks different so if folks want to join sunrise in the long haul we would love to work with y'all you can start a sunrise hub we say it just takes three people to start a hub and, and then it, that grows over time so that's the long game, and we're in this fight for the years ahead. In the short term, uh, I want to invite everyone to come to D.C. Uh, with us. We have huge momentum right now, and we are really making, making history and, and changing the game right now. But we have a very limited time window ahead of us to set the agenda for the next Congress. And so when we took Nancy Pelosi's office, that was our goal. We wanted to set the agenda for the next Congress. And the congressional session ends on December 13th. So time window is closing. And so on December 10th, we're inviting everyone to come back to D.C. and to put put it all on the line for a Green New Deal right now. We've got over 700 people already registered to show up. We're so stoked. We want to have a thousand strong showing up in the halls of Congress and just taking that energy that we had and, and saying that we're not going to settle for anything less than policies that really actually fight for us and what's at stake right now. And so it is the time to go bigger than ever. And if folks want to join us and take action to push for a Green New Deal, you can sign up at sunrisemovement.org. And we, uh, yes, yeah, so that's sunrisemovement.org. I said that yes. right. Great. <laughs> Just like, like you think it's spelled, Sunrise Movement. Uh, we'd love for you to show up and take action with us on December 10th. You guys should talk a little bit also, because I remember when the DNC started acting up. <laughs> and, you know, I, I call folks out. If you're doing good, I say you're doing well. But when you are not doing what you're supposed to do, doesn't matter, as Rev and I often say, don't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, or Independent. We have expectations, and mm -hmm. those expectations are a protection of our communities. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about when the DNC uh, didn't do what they said they was going to do and how you guys got engaged in that. Sure, yeah. Uh, you want to jump in? I, yeah, I can say something. Go ahead. So, <laughs> no shade, but it's 2018, and if you say you take climate change seriously and you still don't think that it's obvious you should be rejecting money from fossil fuel billionaires, then your position on climate change is a little questionable to me. Mm. Yeah. Suspect, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> well. So we, we really need the Democratic Party to make a statement that they do stand with working people across this country and not fossil fuel billionaires mm -hmm. and just very simply say we are banning fossil fuel money mm. and that will set the stage for a 2020 presidential election where we'll have candidates that the, it'll be like a litmus test. Like mm -hmm. if you are going to be a climate champion then you can't you have to take this pledge and i'll carry it away for that so you know <laughs> when you know better do better yeah and, and we're going to leave it right there so i want to talk also about the organization um and rev and i often talk about and antonique um about you know we have green labeled organization that often the diversity does not reflect what America looks like. Mm. I want to know if you all were intentional, because Diane, I know you are a co-founder, of making sure that when the organization started, 
that the leadership and membership shown women, shown people of color as a driver in the process? What was the thinking back then? Was it intentional? Yeah, absolutely intentional. And I also think it's different in our generation. Like it's it's not like we need to go out there and pick the right people. It's mm. actually just talking about what the issues really mean because we see and our generation sees climate change and, and sees it as a very personal threat and it involves us personally. And it's different than I think a lot of the stories that have been inherited about the, I guess, quote, larger environmental movement, mm-hmm. which is kind of protecting things outside of people or outside of us. And so we, mm-hmm. we see this and we see climate change as women's issues and as people's issues oh, wow. and affecting us right here. So we are seeing all different kinds of young people show up to this cause, and uh, and that's really exciting. So uh, we we work hard to make sure that the right voices are heard and the people who have powerful stories about how they're being impacted by this crisis have the mic in this movement and can share those stories. But people are, are really showing up to do that. Mm-hmm. Y'all want to chime in? Yeah, um, I agree. Everything with Diane just said is is really been a long journey for me. And when I was attending uh, school, I would n- I never considered myself to be an activist. Mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't see myself doing the work of people who are who I call predecessors and have, have studied rigorously throughout the years of my academia, and to be able to compare myself amongst them. I went to a HBCU, you know, and the Philadelphia School District It's a mandate that students graduate with at least one year, at least one year worth of African-American studies on their diploma. And like, it it was, so it was, it was instilled in me, it was almost beating me (laughs) at a certain point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you know, and it, it's still shocking to say that, you know, there's still inequalities and, and, and justice issues and environmental issues that still have to be fought for it to this day. Mm-hmm. So it, it's frustrating at the same time. It's joyful because I see the end game and the end game is a world where we all can like do what we want in a, in a world that's going to continue to be there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the threat of that can virtually be eliminated by, you know, this simple idea such as a Green New Deal. No doubt, no doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, and Mustafa, I just had to jump in here because one of the things uh, that Diane just said, which is very powerful, is that there's this image of climate change where we're going out and we're trying to hold this ice cap together or we're mm-hmm. just always want to hug a tree. <laughs> um and that's okay, but the reality is how does this relate to me personally? Yeah. As we said, young people know how to use the language of intersectionality mm-hmm. and bridging, and that's one of the things we at the Hip Hop Caucus are always trying to do is break down the silos. Okay. Climate change affects all of us. And when we say Black Lives Matter, stop killing us, stop shooting us, well, at the same time, we stop polluting our air, we're dying. Mm-hmm. So Eric Garner got choked out by a physical police, but he was already getting choked out by the air quality in Staten mm-hmm. Island. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we saw what eventually happened to his daughter because they were still killing us you didn't see physical cops but the bullies are still out there so when you're talking about these climate champions we want to make sure uh, you talk in this good game but you're lacing your pockets uh, mm-hmm. with our oppressor and we can't have that yeah. mm-hmm. just speaking more on the intersection between racial justice and climate change something that happened this past year that was really deeply disturbing and speaks to the mm-hmm. intersection of these issues was um, there was a hurricane I don't I don't remember which one there's so many now mm-hmm. um, those hitting South Carolina mm-hmm. and the governor of South Carolina refused to evacuate inmates in a prison that was Mm -hmm. in the way of the hurricane. And that, for one, is like clearly inhumane and two speaks to the world that we're spiraling towards if we don't act both on mass incarceration and climate change Mm -hmm. because it's the people who are already most marginalized and vulnerable in this society that will bear the burden mostly of the climate crisis. I was already showing up for black lives and now we know that both issues are really super connected. Right. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. Well, Diana, Dwight, Marcella, this would not be the coolest show on climate <laughs> if we did not ask you this question, Come we've had, we've Come had all on. kinds oh, of folks God. answer this. Some people, we were surprised what they said. <laughs> I'm nervous. No, no, no. Don't be nervous. So we're going to start with Diana, since you are a co-founder. <laughs> oh, no. Don't pass it to somebody. I didn't know this question was coming. I'm so nervous. No, no, no. no. It's so okay. It's okay. Who is your it's favorite okay. artist? You can't say Antonique Smith, although she is incredible. Mm. No, I'll say I got to hang out with Shutes Scott for an hour and a half yesterday right, before yeah. he took the stage at the yeah. Bernie Town Hall, and 
he has been he flew straight from LA to join the town hall here mm-hmm. and he's working on an album and uh, I feel really lucky to call him a friend in this movement and I'm I'm really stoked to to see his music come he's got another album coming out I think in February March 2019 write it down Chantesca <laughs> Martinez uh, hmm. so I you know you always got to love the artists that come out of the movement cuz right. they're really going to help lead us forward so I'll, I'll say that for now yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Marcel. I gotta say Tracy Chapman is bae. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Some fast car talking about a revolution. Uh, what? Oh, what? What? You know about that, man? Yeah, come on. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> so why is Tracy? Why? Why Tracy? Fast Car is like the most beautiful song I've ever heard, I think. It is a beautiful um, song. Yeah. And that was when I first encountered her work and then hearing her other stuff. I don't, was she, she was part of a movement. She, you can't write talking about a revolution if you're not involved in social justice work. And I always would play that song with my Florida hub when we were on our way to campuses and actions because I wanted to get in the zone, you know? Big fan. I love that because okay. that is connection right there. Yeah. That's right. I feel that's you right. That. My brother. Kendrick Lamar. Like like the Black Panther album was just a, a, a hit. It was a genius. It was, was a masterful work. I, I feel like I'm living that theme song to this day. You know, all the stars are getting closer, like people that I've never mm-hmm. even thought I'd be able to work with and who have who have truly come together on a scale that is incomprehensible at this moment to me still have just come together on one accord and that is to fight the crisis that we all know that needs to be, you know, fought. And like, and like Kendrick Lamar just speaks to that angle on so many levels, like, you know what I'm saying, with the Black Panther, all the stars, you know what I mean? And then I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan and like, I just like talking about his recent work. But like, <laughs> but I wish y'all could see their faces when they are talking about the artists that move them right, at the caucus. Right, we right. always talk about the power of culture. That's right. Uh, and how it has to be a part of our new paradigm uh, of how mm-hmm. we are changing. I want you guys to just do one last thing for me uh, before we close out the show. Can you share with folks how they can follow you and, and how they can follow the Sunrise Movement? Well, follow us. All right. You can follow me at uh, Twitter. It's at D-J-A-Y-E, at DJ. You have great uh, tweets. It's just my initials, so I don't actually, I don't do the DJ stuff. And uh, and you can follow Sunrise Movement at, at Sunrise MVMT. That's on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as well. And yeah, we look forward to chatting with you. This is Marcella. You can follow me on Instagram. It's okay. Marcella, M-A-R-C-E-L-A. Or Twitter. I have some good tweets sometimes, some content. Um, <laughs> X3 Marcella underscore. My Instagram and Twitter uh, handles are the same. That's Earth and Heart. That's E-A-R-T-H-E-N underscore Heart. H-E-A-R-T for Instagram and Twitter. All right. And I want to thank the Sunrise Movement for being with us, yeah. for the incredible yes. work yeah. you guys continue to do each and every day. Thank you all for tuning in to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, a hip hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think100Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together.